I was five when I saw a barnstormer's plane in a field near my house in Arkansas. I begged for five dollars to go for a ride. Father said no. It never occurred to me that girls weren't supposed to fly. When that pilot circled in the skies, I saw heaven right before my eyes. I felt I could rise and touch the sun. I was ten. I saw a plane at the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. I thought it was a thing of rusty wire and wood. My mother said, "Look, Amelia, it flies." But I was much more interested in a hat made from a peach basket I just bought for fifteen cents. Now I hate hats. Planes, on the other hand, grew on me. When I was twenty-one, I saw the air show at the Canadian National Exhibition Grounds. A pilot started to buzz the spectators, making them run from the field. I knew it was dangerous, but I stood my ground, transfixed. When the prop blew wind against my face, I could feel my heart begin to race. My affair with flying had begun. I was thirteen and Joe was ten. We were in Sterling, Colorado. We were coming home from school and naturally had no money in our pockets. There was a crowd at the fairgrounds, and we sneaked along the fence until we found a hole we could crawl through. There, right in front of us, was the airplane. The motor roared, and the pilot started off. In a few seconds, he was in the air. Round and round the fairgrounds he went, and each time he passed us, we simply caught our breath. It was too wonderful to be real. Joe suddenly grabbed my shoulder and began to jump up and down. I'm going to be an aviator. I'm going to be an aviator. He shouted, and I agreed with him that it was the only thing in the world. And I said I was going to be an aviator too. I looked up and the motor was roaring. I was there on the ground, overjoyed, for I felt myself soaring. I was touched. Some say very touched. That contraption had me firmly clutched in a spell that left me quite unsound. Overon, almost numb, overwhelmed, overcome. Noel Donfeld, creator, lyricist of Powder Puff Pilots, and you're listening to Musical World.
Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Another episode Hello. of Musical World. Listen, who's, who was that? Who was that? What? <laughs> I returned. <laughs> just, just when you thought it was safe to go back to Musical World, David Brush yeah. returns. Hi, Dave. That's right. Feel, feel free to turn it off. <laughs> I don't I'm think back. so. I don't think so. We have, um, we, we, we have an enormous amount of great things coming up. It's been hard to get scheduled uh, with a lot of these folks, but it's going to be great. I think we have uh, um, some great interviews coming up. Absolutely. Today, um, I'm looking forward to it. And, and we started off the show with something uh, a little different than usual by playing somebody else's music at the top there, but that was uh, from a musical called Powder Puff Pilots. And on the phone with us is Noelle Donfeld, and she is the writer. The lyricist, I should say. Correct? Right. That's right. I, I wrote the lyrics. Marion Partee wrote the book. And uh, Cindy O'Connor wrote the music. Excellent. And it's good stuff all the way through. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. So, Noelle, the first time we met was through mutual friend Denise Wright, who um, we love and is, we've done so much with. Uh, and a beautiful show that you wrote with her called The Revolution of Betsy Loring. Yes. Um, so we're so happy to talk to you and to get you a, a, a voice on our podcast as well. Um, we have such a great fondness for that piece. Um, tell us about Powderpuff Pilots and how that story came into your life. Well, um, my workshop, the Academy for New Musical Theater, made a connection with the University of California, Irvine. They were looking for some shows for a um, festival that they were starting, a new musical work. And um, Marion and Cindy and I uh, decided that we would write a musical. Um, they wanted a musical that could use... One of the things that they were looking for was a musical that uh, had a large female cast, because many universities and, and uh, also regional theaters oftentimes have more um, excellent female talent available for some reason. So uh, the, the idea of the uh, first cross-country women's air race was very exciting because um, these women are just fantastic. The, 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 the real-life women were so brave and loved flying so much, and they did so much to really advance the idea of what women could accomplish in society in general. So it's, it was a, it's a, it's a great piece. I think it's a great show. And, and it is a large cast. It's like, uh, I think I 19, 19 or 20 people. And that's, right. there are 14 women and they're all good roles. I mean, that we do have our, uh, primary characters, but, um, they're all, everybody has a good role and then there are five uh, male roles, although there's some double casting there. Oh, is there? Okay. So it, it, well, what's interesting to me is that, you know, other than Amelia Earhart, we understand culturally, you know, the the idea of the birth of of uh, of, of piloting and of of air travel to be primarily a man's game. And you're talking to people here in Dayton, Ohio, who, you know, <laughs> yeah. un- understand fully. <laughs> You know, the, the birthplace of that. So this is really fascinating to me. Uh, why is it that you think, or your co-writers think, that we don't hear a lot about women's role in the birth of, uh, in the, in the birth of flight in this country? 
You know, I, I don't know. I'm, when you think of it, there are probably a handful of pilots in, uh, from American history that, that everybody is uh, familiar with. So um, it, I, I can understand that, I guess. But uh, when, when you get into it, when you, um, when you learn about these women themselves, it, it, it's, it's so intriguing, and it just grips you. And, and I, I really do think that their accomplishments and their bravery and their breaking the, the gender barrier need to be more publicized in, in the exciting way I think that we do it. You know, we combine humor with drama. Um, one of the pilots whom you grow to fall in love with dies, crashes. Um, it's it's a very exciting uh, it's a very exciting thing. I, I I don't know why it hasn't been more publicized, but people who are in the, uh, flying, of course, uh, probably are more familiar with them. I, I'm not a pilot myself, but I just love the idea. But ultimately, that's what makes your choice of story here, uh, the three of you, such a powerful uh, storytelling device. I noticed that your composer, it just leapt out to me, has uh, has uh, the, the ABC television series Once Upon a Time on her resume. How did That's you end right. up meeting her, and um, how did that relationship begin? Uh, we met her through the Academy for New Musical Theater. That's where I met Marion as well. Marion okay. and I have written uh, four shows together now. Uh, this is the only show that we've written with uh, Cindy, but we would love to write with her again because she is just, she's not only brilliant, but she's just got such a great personality and, and um, mm-hmm. she's a very positive person and very talented. So she she does a lot of the um, the scoring for Once Upon a Time among the other shows that she writes. Can you tell us about Things Will Never Be the Same? Let's intro that piece and we'll, we'll <laughs> head into that. Well, that's uh, Will Rogers Bless his heart, was a great supporter of um, women in, in uh, flying. And he loved, he loved flying, period. And, and he thought, you know, why shouldn't women do it? These women know it. He got to know them. He really was a proponent of this first, um, Atlantic, or first cross-country flight that wound up in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but he realized also that this is really changing, you know, even personal relationships uh, between um, husbands and wives, for example. So it's it's a humorous song, kind of um, warning husbands uh, that they'd better support their wives or they're really going to regret it in the long run. <laughs> right. Well, from Powder Puff Pilots, this is Things Will Never Be the Same. What a fine, amazing sight, seeing all the gals in flight. Never thought this day would ever come. About time. They're an independent bunch Have their menfolk make them lunch Half the guys are glad and half are numb Travel bug has women itching So the boys are in the kitchen What a world when ladies fly like men Soon they'll have a sweep and sew and wash and iron Don't you know that things will never be the same again? Wanna share another scoop? Not one mother in the group. Motherhood is something they can skip. If more gals decide to fly, spending hours in the sky, population's bound to take a dip. If your girlfriend is a flyer, now's the time to say goodbye, or Mr. Rooster might become a hen. 
If you want to stay her feller, my advice is better tell her. Ladies, fly and shore is sweller. Maybe polish her propeller. When you polish, do it weller. You'll be sleeping in the cellar. Things will never be the same again. Mark my words. That was Things Will Never Be the Same. Noel, who's singing on that? A young man by the name of Eric Bradley. And was this a demo recording, or, 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 or where did these recordings originate? We've had the UCI uh, production at the festival, and then we, okay. uh, the show was in Stages, which is, um, it's Stages, it was a festival that started the um, Theater Building Chicago, right. and it's now right. been transferred to um, North Hollywood. So he right. was in Stages. Right. And then a, a high school um, did it, a local high school did it. Somebody, uh, Adrian Bruley, who's in my workshop, who's an excellent writer himself, book writer, loved the show, and he thought it was very empowering for young women. So um, they did a workshop production. We have, we didn't, uh, you know, we want to save the premiere for a, a larger venue, um, but they they did the show at um, High Tech High in North Hollywood, and everybody loved it. And the, the feedback we got from teachers and from the students themselves was that they enjoyed it, they loved the message. Um, parents, of course, gave standing ovations, but that's what parents do. <laughs> Um, well, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> Although we that's got that great, at UCI, though. which is good. <laughs> yeah. That's great, being able to utilize high school students in that way and finding a program that's willing to do it. So um, I'm, I'm curious for you as a writer, because I'm a lyricist as well. I've been just a lyricist, and I've been just a book writer, and I've been both. What's different about being just a lyricist and the book writing being in the hands of someone else? Um. I am really fortunate because when I write with Marion Partee, we collaborate. So um, I get ideas for books, for book, and she gets ideas for lyrics. So it's um, it's been very, very easy. I've had good luck, and frankly, with all the, the book writers that I've worked with. I always do lyrics on every show that I've ever done, and I've done books for over half of the shows. Uh, the nice thing about doing book is that you you know the characters, you know exactly what they're thinking, and it is a little bit easier. But uh, as I say, working with someone like Marion Partee, um, it's it's just very collaborative. We listen and and um, you keep the the respect and uh, friendship up there, and it's 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 a lot of fun. And it's always good to have other people's ideas, you know, that you think of things. But of in a collaboration, even the, the composer, everybody, the actors, everybody chimes in, and you have to be willing to to see where there's a need for change and to do it. Do you have a personal preference, whether you prefer writing lyrics or prefer writing book material? Oh, I think I, I think lyrics are what I love the most. Um, I love writing book as well. Uh, getting a good idea for a story is sometimes hard. <laughs> right, of um, course. But, but if, there's a, if there's an outline even, um, uh, writing lyrics to me is just just joy. I just love to do it. And and lately I've been doing more comedy, which is which has been a challenge and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always harder. I agree yeah, it's you. more difficult for you. Because there's some... There's so much great classic comedy that writing it in a really smart way is really challenging. So I applaud anyone attempting that. So tell me a little bit about Poncho Barnes and the uh, accidental landing in Mexico and how that inspired a song for you. 
Well, I think the character was more inspiration than the actual landing in Mexico. Pancho Barnes was <clears throat> unique. She was a rather hefty woman, uh, married to a pastor. She says that she um, uh, made love with him one time, had a son, and that was it. <laughs> she was a. She was. Um, a, she was a, a. You know. She. She. Was very very independent. I could say she she uh, liked men. She smoked cigars. She was one of the guys. She um, drank. Uh, you know, women in those uh, days were supposed to be. You know, especially the flyers were supposed to comport themselves very. Um, I guess conservatively, and she was anything but. She <laughs> she was bigger than life and gracious. She was gracious and an excellent pilot, but she was a character. And she um, she had uh, landed in Mexico uh, by accident. She warned the women, you know, that here they are, they're flying low and trying to use, you know, telephone poles or different um, different uh, things in the, the land below them to, you know, find see where they are. And uh, it was very easy to fly over the border. So she was warning the women... Um, in a very humorous way, they need three things. Suerte, cinta, y cerveza. Suerte is luck. Cinta is tape because their wings were all made out of a paper-like material. And cerveza is beer. Yes. And I have to say that at UCI, the, the college, this was a favorite song because <laughs> one of the, uh, the German pilots says, Yeah, beer, and everybody laughed. So I mean, it's, it's, a good, it's a good college song. <laughs> well, that's right. probably why I like it so well. <laughs> well, let's take a listen. This is performed by Aaron McNally as Pancho Barnes. This is Suerte Cinta y Cerveza. Spent a deal of time down there in Mexico. Rode like Sancho Panza on a mule. While my husband had a fit, learned the lingo just a bit. Learning lingo's helpful as a could be that we'll all wind up in Mexico. Wind can blow you across the Rio Grande. So to keep you up to speed, there are three things that you need if you cross the border and are forced to land. Suerte, cita y cerveza. That's what a pilot needs to fly. You need suerte, that means luck. Helps a pilot who is stuck find a way to get back in the sky. Suerte, cinta y cerveza. Cinta, the Spanish word for tape. When the going gets real tough, you can never have enough. Tape your wings and plan your great escape. Still, it's always possible you'll wind up on some mesa In a rut or three feet deep in sand That's the moment every pilot needs some fine cerveza Good idea to keep a bit on hand So what do we need? Suerte, cita y cerveza Folks say that beer's the perfect food yeah, beer. If you find your plane has strayed And your landing is delayed Then cerveza Brightens up your mood. Suerte, cinta y cerveza. Pilots should always be prepared. 
If you're helped to patch a wing, you don't need to say a thing. Pop some bottles, they'll be glad you cared. And cerveza's always better when it's shared. Here's to suerte, cinta y cerveza. And a fine cigar. Ole! This is Denise Wright, uh, composer of Emerald and uh, the upcoming Revolution of Betsy Loring, and you're listening to Musical World. I am so darn mad I'd like to spit And I guess this means that I should quit Going on I'd be arriving there days late Although winning's always been my plan Now I'll only be an also ran If I fix my plane and keep on going straight Does it matter about the time I've missed When my name would be there on that list Of female flyers finishing this race And if I don't make the Hall of Fame And if no one can recall my name, I still could finish proudly in last place. Proud, oh yes, I'm proud to be a part of this amazing group, a loyal member of the troop. If no We heard there in that set, followed by Suerte Sinta y Cerveza, was a song called Also Ran. It was performed by Kelly Gable. Tell us a little bit about Bobby Trout. Bobby Trout, like all of the women, really sacrificed to be able to fly. The women didn't have money for gas. They didn't have money for planes. They didn't, you know, they, they had to... They just worked just like uh, like college students today work to try to get their educations. These women worked the same way to try to be able to fly. They wanted to be in the air. Bobby worked at a gas station, and she filled a lot of cars up to um, get the money for her to be able to, to fly in this race. Um, and unfortunately, she had an accident um, probably, I can't remember exactly, maybe the fourth day of the race, and um, crash-landed, and she went to, um, found a mechanic, and she told him, you know, that she wanted him to fix the plane, and he said, you know, it's going to take two days, the race is going to be over, it's just ridiculous, just forget about it. But to Bobby's mind, this race was so important, she didn't care if she came in late, she didn't care if she landed two or three days at all. The important thing for her was to finish and be one of the women who did this cross-country race no matter when she came in. And to me, I love this character. She's not one of the major characters, but the song really you know, spoke to me that this is and it's something that, that 
everybody should think about, you know, if you have a goal, it doesn't matter when you come in. You just, you have to try to finish it no matter what. Well, I'm I'm so impressed by this piece, not only because it deals with, you know, women in such a positive way during a time in history when much of it could have been forgotten. So I, I applaud you all for, for that as well. Um, can, can, let's talk a little bit about Puritanical. <laughs> uh, Coffin to the Mayflower, because I'm, I'm completely fascinated. And I'm a little, I'm a little under informed. So can you talk about that show a little bit? Puritanical, uh, Coffins of the Mayflower was, uh, a project given to me by the Academy for New Musical Theater. And it was supposed to be a one-act dramatic piece that uh, was going to be performed in a series of three one-acts at Doma Theater in Hollywood. But I, I saw the characters, and I thought, no, this 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 could easily be humor. So I wrote a couple of charm or humor humorous songs. And um, when I presented it to the workshop, they said, well, we'll have to check with the producer to see if he minds it. It's a comedy. And he said he didn't, so the whole thing became a comedy. Um, it, there's a message, and the message is, I, I guess, about um, bigoted people. <laughs> but uh, but it's um, it's about um, Puritans uh, who had to leave England because they weren't allowed to bury their, their dead in the uh, local churchyard. And a young Puritan man um, falls in love with this beautiful woman who happens to be a vampire. The first reaction is, well, as long as she's not a Mennonite, that's good, until they realize, oh, wait a minute, this is a vampire. (laughs) 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 And um, (laughs) they figure a way to, to, uh, the young man and and woman of vampire, figure a a way to get her aboard the the Mayflower also. So I... I don't know. I could I could probably talk for an hour on on the plot and everything, but it, it's very humorous and um, as I say, it's pointed. Uh, I I wish I could have given you ten songs from this show because uh, they're all kind of different and fun. But uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. And, and um, Malibu Playhouse. Oh, after the after the first reading, then um, I wrote Act Two. Um, my collaborator and I wrote Act Two on our own. And um, Malibu Playhouse is going to have a reading. They chose it for a reading, I think, January or February. So mm. it'll be fun to see it on its feet, um, that, the two-act version. Excellent. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Who's the composer on this piece? Brian Leader. And he and, and I and have I... composed together also. We had a little uh, children's show called Squeak that was done by La Cunada Playhouse. Gotcha, so, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we're playing two songs back-to-back from Puritanical. Uh, Tell us a little bit about both In the Dark and Bad Blood. Okay. Well, Bad Blood is the prologue to the show, and basically sets up the fact, you know, there's cholera in the in the village, so Bad Blood has more than one meaning. It it means the bad blood that cholera itself is. It's um, bad blood and the feelings between people, you know, when there's bad blood between rivals, whatever it is. Um, and it's literally bad blood for the vampires because when I, I, I made the, one of the rules is if people are really nasty, the blood gets so stinky that even a vampire doesn't want it. <laughs> so there's kind of a, a triple entendre there for bad blood. 
the second one in the dark is the opening of Act Two. And um, <laughs> this sounds a little bizarre. The young man and the um, young woman vampire um, have vowed, you know, they, they want to marry each other, they want to be each other's love eternally. Uh, she has, at the end of Act One, she has turned him into a vampire at his request for a couple of reasons. Um, so they are uh, still in the coffin. They've landed in the New World, and um, they're talking about their first night together, and they're both totally innocent. And so to me it's very endearing because you can see they're very sweet people. They're madly in love with each other. Um, it's, so it's, um, it's, it's a sweet song, even though it's about um, their first night together uh, married. From the Puritanic folk, Coffins of the Mayflower, this is both In the Dark and Bad Blood. In the dark, first I was scared to death. Now I see more clearly than I have before. In the dark, sharing each touch, each breath. Can't imagine someone loving someone in the dark, I was a hapless lad. Then you sucked my blood and sweetly gave it back. Since last night when I was killed, dreams of love have been fulfilled. As I grope, I hope I've got the knack. Have I, darling? Oh, my hair's caught in your button. Sorry. trying it's small but many are you mean the coffin i do and that's a plus why your mother was implying she'd keep the lid ajar at least in here there's only room for us that's a relief dark loving my brand new life or death finally I've discovered what a coffin's for in the dark that's where I'm meant to be you will be my light I'll never miss the sun though it's hard to get undressed in a box so tightly pressed Soon I'm sure We'll get these clothes undone I'm thinking of how often I'll lie here with my bride Becoming more expressive In our love Yes, sharing this trying in the dark I used to shake with fear 
now I grin I'm in a mini Noah's Ark Though my back banged on the lid While we did what we just did How I hope I'm always in the dark That should be easy for you And what's best No need to rest Here in the dark Hey, this is Timothy Huang, composer and lyricist for Cost of Living, and you are listening to Musical World. Cholera has struck our village, spreading fear throughout the town. Nothing nice is death that I would choose, for it keeps the population down. Damn cholera! Cholera can strike like lightning, sudden as a devil's curse. which was really a huge exaggeration. But um, when Norman uh, L. Berman, who is a Drama Desk Award winner, contacted uh, Larry Dean about uh, trying to find someone to write book and lyrics, he recommended me, which was really, you know, awesome. And it's just, it's been an incredible opportunity for me because Norman is brilliant. Um, You know, he's, you know, won the Drama, uh, the Drama Desk Award for uh, Broadway uh, musical called Strider. And um, 
he uh, came to me, and it was, it was very cute. He says, I have an idea for a musical review. I want to talk to you about it. So I, I met up with Norman, and he said, uh, I want to write a musical uh, review about champagne. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's been um, a lot of fun. You know, we, we exchange ideas back and forth, the little scenes, vignettes. Um, there are a couple are actually more dialogue than music, but... Um, uh, most of them are, are musical, basically musical scenes, and uh, we're having just a ball with it. Uh, we think it's, um, we're starting to record it now, we're starting to get it out. It's, it'll it'll be great. It's only four uh, characters, and um, we've had wonderful um, actors singing for us. Um, and that's another one. I just, you know, I wish, it's very hard to choose just one song uh, to, to share with you all, but this is the, right. I guess we call it the theme song. It's not, um, it's not at the very beginning. Um, the very beginning is kind of a, a very funny uh, dialogue setup. It's uh, a lot of fun. It's sung by Heather Lee, Robert Yakko, and Will Collier. And uh, it's, it's, it puts you in kind of a champagne mood to hear it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love the title because it couldn't be more true. <laughs> I, I just thought it was a great song to to take the show out on today. And maybe we can uh, call back and visit with you some other time and talk about some of these other projects a little. Oh, absolutely. Right. I'd love that. I, I, I'm happy to send you uh, more songs at a later date if you'd like to hear. Absolutely. Great. And uh, maybe, we can, uh, maybe we can... Get some of your co-conspirators to join us as well. Oh, I, I bet they would love to do that. I, I have a feeling that they'd enjoy this as well. <laughs> well, it's it's been great talking to you and listening to your shows, your music, and uh, well, you uh, guys are terrific. Honestly, to do this, to I can't thank people who promote musical theater enough to expose people to the joys and the beauty and and the emotions that are that are you know involved in musical theater. So bringing it to people's, you know, radios or computers <laughs> and allowing them to hear, you know, tastes of musicals are just a gift to not only the, the writers, but also to the people who uh, may develop a love for musical theater. So thank you guys so much for what you do. You're very welcome. Well, thank you. I think I, I think I speak for Jim, too, that we just, we love it so much and it's so much a part of who we are that you know lots of projects come and go but it seems like this podcast has legs your puritanical <laughs> vampires just won't die <laughs> no matter how busy we tend to get we always try to uh try to get uh, a show out every couple of weeks or so no matter what and uh because we always have people contacting us wanting to get their shows heard and we want them to be heard uh, we right. wish more people would go out and see a new musical. Don't oh, go absolutely. to Les Mis again. Go see something new. <laughs> yes. That's right. Tim, That's Tim right. Huang, that was for you, by the way. Uh, right, Tim Huang. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably listening, too. So. He, oh, yeah, he, he commented a little bit earlier about, oh, really, Les Mis are going to bring Les Mis back? <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's nothing new being written, Tim. Nobody likes anything new. They want the standards. Go see Oklahoma. <laughs> Thank goodness that's not well, the case, right? <laughs> really. Right. I mean, that there's so many we, wonderful new shows being written. Absolutely. I still call it the new golden age because I think it's true. I think uh, 
people are more people are writing new work now than they were. I agree. Since since the you know late fifties, I think. I totally so, agree. I think it's exciting. Well, thank you, Noel. Thanks for talking oh, thank to us. You. I'm sure we'll talk again. Absolutely. Oh, I hope so. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And we're going to listen to Champagne Makes Every Everyone More Beautiful. Have a good one. Makes everyone more beautiful. Champagne makes every dog a doll. Whether demisec or brute, drink it up and you'll seem cute. If you're hooked on it, then looks don't count at all. Champagne makes everyone more lovable. Champagne makes every toad a prince. Grab a bottle, pop the cork, though a guy's a total dork. Drink it down, you'll kiss a clown and never wince. Ugly turns to pretty, wimpy turns to strong. Show a nerd some pity, how can that be wrong? Champagne makes everyone more humorous. Champagne makes everyone a wit. Though the jokes you tell may stink, pass around another drink. Folks will laugh or not, but no one gives a shit. Champagne makes everyone more brotherly. Champagne makes everyone more fresh. If you're sitting with an ass, pour yourselves another glass. Though the guys are small, will grow into a mensch. Life may be a trial. Pants on? No. <laughs> there, no. see? See, that's how casual it is. I'm not going to run, I'll walk. I don't run. I said jogging clothes, but that was really an exaggeration. My, my quick walking clothes. Yeah, that's okay. Clothes. You call it that. <laughs> call, yeah. It makes us all feel better. <laughs> I, I call them sweatpants because if I move in them, I sweat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks so much, guys. Uh-huh, thank you. Uh-huh, Bye-bye. Take care.